Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's hit it! And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone. This is Lori LeBay with Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, and I'm thrilled you can make it today. We're doing open mic, so please feel free to call in. That number is 323-870-4602. And my wonderful co-host, Kathy Braxton, I think is on the line. So let me see if I can pull her in. Kathy, is that you? I'm here. Hi. Well, welcome. I am so thrilled to host the show with you. You are always just such a wonderful partner when we come to talking about dementia and caregiving. Um, You have wonderful experience and expertise in this area. I'm going to go ahead and do a few of my shout outs first, but I wanted our audience to let them know that you are here and again that they can call in at 323-870-4602. now, for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks, um, you know, is open to all people all around the world to call in and talk and just have a wonderful conversation in a respectful fashion. We don't always have to agree with one another, um, but we do want to stay pertinent to dementia and uh, caregiving. But we firmly believe that all voices need to be heard. So if you are diagnosed or maybe you're you're even worried about Um, your memory right now and some neurological issues that you're having, Uh, maybe you want to call in and talk to us, pose some questions. Uh, Neither of us are doctors, uh, but we have a lot of experience in the area, and I'm sure we can help point you in the right direction. Um, We welcome uh, family members, authors, researchers, advocates, all different types of businesses, people who have created services, products, and tools, or maybe you see a need and are wondering, you know, how do I, how do I meet this challenge? Um, or maybe you want to throw it out there for someone else to meet the challenge and let them know. Or tell us what's really working well. All of these things are extremely important for all of us uh, to discuss. This is a huge, huge topic affecting many, many people. Now, in that whole realm, I do want to mention Mods Ventures uh, because they are giving seed money out, $50,000 to $100,000 in three different categories. And if anyone is thinking about 
gosh, I have this concept. I want to get out there. Go to modsventures.org to check that out. For those of you that are looking for service products and tools, you can also check out Dementia Map, which is not only a resource directory, but it has a calendar of events with a, a lot of wonderful things that you can participate in. Many are free. <clears throat> and then it also has a glossary of terms because as I know, my mother had dementia for 30 years. You don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. And, and so that can be uh, very helpful. And then there's a, a great blog with all kinds of wonderful articles there. Um, and if you are maybe someone who provides a service product and tool, you can, you know, become a member. We have a free membership as well as enhanced. So just go to Join Dementia Map and you can look at that or reach out to me, Lori LeBay. Um, at uh, Alzheimer's Speaks, and I'll be more than glad to give you information and even give you a tour of the site. Uh, it's a very powerful tool. It's something I have dreamed of for almost 40 years, and I'm just thrilled to have partnered with Dave Weedrick <clears throat> with the Memory Cafe directory uh, to bring this to people. I also want to mention the uh, Memory Camp. The Memory Camp is in uh, Moon Beach in Wisconsin, and it runs August 15th to the 18th, and this is for people with mild to moderate dementia and their care partners and families, and they just have such a fun time gathering together, um, making new friendships and so forth. And those that are looking for support, um, I do participate in two support groups that I facilitate. One is Arthur's Memory Cafe. This is virtual. Anybody around the world uh, can join us. We meet the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, that would be 1 o'clock Central, 12 Mountain Time, and 11, <clears throat> 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And then also, if you're in Minnesota and close to um, the Shoreview area, I work with Brookdale North Oaks in the Shoreview um, Parks and Rec and we have we host a program once a month, the last Wednesday of the month at 10 a.m. Central, um, where care partners um, meet. And then there's also a respite program for people who are living with dementia. So we're going to hear from the footbar walker really uh, quick. Um, and actually, we're going to hear from the adaptive equipment and caregiving corner because these ladies know all about products and services uh, for therapy and so forth. And then we're going to come right back and talk with Kathy. And I see we've got a couple people on the line already. So again, write down 323-870-4602. We'd love to talk with you. I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, 
CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Wonderful. And please check out the Adaptive Equipment in the Caregiving Corner. They have so many great videos that are really, really helpful. And they don't all have to do with dementia. Um, you know, if you've had a hip replaced or a knee replaced, um, if you have some issues with incontinence, um, you name it, it's there, eating tools, etc. Well, Kathy, I'm gonna. I want to talk to you really quick, and then I want to pull in our first guest here. But um, thank you for taking the time out of the day to join us. Um, you know, June is Alzheimer's and Brain Health Month, so this is just a great, great time to have open mic. Do you have any hot topics that you're interested in talking about? <laughs> I always have hot topics. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> I have. Um, Two kind of like informative topics. One of them is something I'd like to bring up, which is just this concept of, of, well, it's actually one overarching concept, and it's this concept of desperation. And I see the desperation coming from families, and when they're struggling and they don't know what to do, how to navigate this long-term care concept. And then I see the concept of desperation happening in long-term care communities that are caring for those people. And so this umbrella of desperation I'm seeing is really affecting the people that need the care. And I'm seeing it in regards to family members just wanting to get their loved one into a facility that's going to give them the best care, but often not being provided a tour to see the facility before they move their loved one in. So that was something I wanted to bring up and then, you know, talk more about how to take a tour, how to schedule a tour, what to ask, things to look for. And then the other thing, you know, over that arching concept of desperation is just what I'm seeing in, in long-term care out in the world right now is just this short staffing that everybody's referring to. Um, and just the concept that I think what we're seeing is from um, management companies that are running organizations, I think they're acting from a space of desperation, and I think that's affecting not only this current staff that they have, but then also in their ability to bring in new staff. Okay. So oh. Both of those topics. <laughs> that will be great. What I'm going to do right now, Kathy, is I'm going to go ahead and pull in our first guest. And uh, I always like to get to our guests and then we kind of fill in. But again, this is a really um, nobody has to be prepared in terms of the speech and what they're going to say. This is all talking from the heart. So feel free to call in at 323-870-4602. Uh, so let me call in our first guest here. We have somebody from a 3307 number. And I think, I just think this might be Lori Shear with DAA. Am I correct? Ed, you are correct. Uh, you recognize the number. That's Scary, but good. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Alabama, and um, I'm just so excited. I just got off of our dementia discussions, and it was just fabulous. Our topic today was on grief and how to handle grief. And with, with dementia, you might grieve every time you lose another ability that you used to have 
and it was really good. But um, it's okay with you, Lori. I just want to talk about some exciting things we have at DAA. May I do that? Why don't you, yeah, start out with telling people what DAA stands for and um, and then go in from that, because some people might not be familiar, uh, you know, with, with DAA. DAA is Dementia Action Alliance, and we are a nonprofit organization, and we are very into helping people living with dementia to live and finding strategies and ways to encourage, motivate, and engage people living with dementia. Um, It's an exciting group. I've been involved in DAA for four years now, and it truly has helped me to find a lot of purpose in life. When you're living with dementia, it's, it's really difficult to find a way to get yourself going again, to connect and, and you know, find a reason to keep going, to get out of bed. And DAA has definitely helped me with that. Um, we have a lot of activities for people living with dementia. We have three discussion groups per week. Uh, we have a virtual engagement program. Uh, five days a week, we have a poetry club, a coloring club, a trivia group, all kinds of things, and just we keep people moving constantly. Just give them a reason to want to get out of bed and be involved and and to advocate. So it's really it's very exciting, and you can learn more at daanow.org. Um, Kathy, now are you familiar with DAA? Yes, I am. Uh, I think we have a local organization, uh, one of their chapters out here, and we've actually just started a support group in our area with them. Okay, so DAA, I, I don't know if you guys have chapters, Lori, do you? Or is it just one? No. Okay. That's what I thought. No. So, you know, I've been familiar with Dementia Action Alliance for several, several years, and it's just been really fun to see what all they are doing in the community and how they are how they are truly raising uh, raisined. Listen to me. I, I tell you, I'm on aller I'm on allergy medicine. I opened the windows last night in between my eyes watering and my throat dry. Um and now my mind is clogged as well. <laughs> Apparently uh you'll have to just kinda of go with me here. But they have been raising the voice of people living with dementia. Um, like Lori said, really educating people um, and empowering them to be to be heard, to be listened to. I mean, they know the true needs um, with this disease, which I think is just absolutely, absolutely fabulous. Um, you had mentioned, uh, gosh, a lot of different groups that people can participate in. One thing that some of our listeners might be wondering, Lori, is, Is there a fee? Do you have to join the club? How does that work? No fee. All of our programs are free. Well, they're not free to us, but somebody else sponsors (coughs) them or whatever. So there's no no cost to anybody living with dementia or their care partner to join our our groups. Um, And they're just really awesome to see people connecting. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. In our coloring group, we have two people that are nonverbal. Um, some of them can't even really show us their picture that they're working on. But their care partner will help them and pick it up and show us what they're working on. 
And one woman in particular, she never says anything. And every once in a while, like once every five months, we'll say, let me see your picture. And somebody will help her hold it up, and she'll say, blue. Yes, you have a blue flower. And that might be the only word we hear from her in months and months. But the smile that she gives us every single time we're on is just so contagious. You can tell this is making an impact on her life, that she can spend time with other people. Another, I think right now the most exciting program we have is what's called our volunteer team. And the entire vision of our volunteer team is to help people living with dementia find a purpose. A purpose. We have a gentleman who used to be a deacon in the church for 20-some years and no longer can do that. Uh, There's a lot of things that he's no longer able to do that he used to do. And he said, I want to help. So, okay, so how can we find something for him to do that he can do? And what we found was every week we have a group called Faith, Hope, and Love. And now we have John open up in prayer. Every week he opens that meeting in prayer. And he is so excited that he has a job, a responsibility. It has changed his life. We have someone else with ALS who is going down rather quickly. She can't speak anymore, and she can't control her mouth, so she slobbers. And she wanted so much to be a part of doing something. Well, we found that she can't talk. She can hardly walk. She has trouble holding a cup, but she can still play the piano. So we made a video of her playing the piano and posted it, and she is so, so proud that she was able to participate in something. People want a reason to get out of bed. They want a purpose. They want something to fill their life with meaning. And if the biggest meaning in your life is opening a group in prayer and that makes you happy, we're going to find something that is going to help give you a purpose. Oh, that is so, so cool. Um, Kathy, what are your thoughts on that? I just, I love that. I think that's what I think we miss oftentimes is that that's what life is when it all boils down to it is that we have some sort of purpose that we can give back, that we can contribute to the greater good, whether that's when we were, you know, parents raising children um, working in, you know, some kind of industry, you know, it's even days that are at work are hard. You still come home with hopefully a sense of accomplishment. You're doing something. You're building something for your family. And when older adults who start living with dementia struggle and they lack that purpose, I think that psychosocial well-being that we all truly just strive for every single day, that starts to diminish. And when a group like this can really bring purpose and, and it can be just that momentary purpose, and, and they have joy in what they were able to produce or say or, like we said, play the piano, overcoming all the other losses that that person has had. So you're still something they can hold on to to provide and give to others. I think that's the key to helping someone have that um, desire to keep going, to push through. 
I couldn't agree with you more. And I see that over and over, people that are diagnosed with dementia and they just, they don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to do anything. One of the, one of the biggest uh, joys for me um, leading the group has been, I'm going to call him David. David, when we first met him two years ago, had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and the doctor basically said, like most do, go home and die. Get your affairs in order and make preparations. David spent two years sitting in a recliner, hardly got out of it, watched TV, whatever. And when he first started in our discussion groups, he would sit in his recliner and just sit there. One day, David found out that I was sending out cards to people like 15 a month, and he said, well, I can help with that. I said, okay. So David took over sending out cards to people living with dementia, birthday cards, encouragement cards, whatever. Well, then I found something else that I thought David might be interested in helping in, and he got involved. David now has not been in his recliner while he's been on any of our groups for about nine months. He's at a table. He's dressed. He's appropriately, he's ready to go. David now is on our advisory board. He's in charge of the welcome committee where when we have somebody new, he contacts them, tells them all about DAA and all the things they can get involved in. Uh, he's co-chair of our volunteer team. And the list goes on and on. David has said many times, I have never been happier since the day I was diagnosed. Wow. And all this because... He was sitting in his recliner dying, which is what the doctor told him to do. He had no purpose. Mm -hmm. um, having a purpose and a reason to want to get your tush out of the recliner makes yeah. so much of a difference. He smiles all the time. He's always calling and helping other people. Um, it has literally changed his attitude towards life. And now... His goal is, I want to live with dementia. I don't want to prepare to die. Mm -hmm. How wonderful is that? You know, I, I've seen that myself, um, you know, through the work I do. I know, Kathy, you've seen it with yours, too. And one of the things that I want to mention is um, DAA and Alzheimer's Speaks have kind of partnered to do Dementia in the Arts, which has been absolutely fascinating you know one of your groups is arts and dementia on facebook that people uh -huh. can participate in and one of the things um <clears throat> that i am doing um with those people is um you know basically videoing them showing their artwork and you know they they it's so empowering and it's just it flabbergasts so many people in terms of the abilities and the beauty of what they do and the variety of the different types of arts too. And Mary Crescenzo, um, you know, co-chairs that with me, but it is just really, really fun, you know, to see um, and just the smiles on their face and, and to get that message out that people are still able, even if they've never done art, even if they weren't good at it in the past, doesn't mean they're not going to be now. And it doesn't matter. You know, art is, you know, in the eye of, of the beholder. 
Um, but I think it's just so important, you know, to be able to raise those voices. Um, Lori, I also wanted to mention, if I'm not mistaken, don't you guys have a conference coming up this year too? We do. Uh, September 19, 20, and 21 in Indianapolis. Uh, it's just an awesome event. Uh, we have uh, so far about 20 people living with dementia that are from our various groups uh, that will be attending. Uh, we have care partners. We have care providers. We have uh, a whole technology expo. Um, we have a – there's actually a section of the conference that is going to be set up like a house, uh, how, what your home should look like, um, all kinds of educators, um, it's just, it's going to be an absolutely awesome event. Great place for people living with dementia to meet other people living with dementia. Wonderful mm-hmm. place for care partners to meet other care partners and professionals to interact. It's, uh, just great. Our last one was supposed to be, uh, just over a year ago because we do them every two years, but COVID took care of that. So now we're excited that we are having it this year. Oh, so, and wonderful. if you want more information, if you go to daanow.org, there's a big thing that says conference. It should answer all your questions. Yeah, I just popped up your site, and um, yeah, it's daanow, so now.org, and you know it's right in one of the the top slider forms there. And they, their site's really easy to maneuver. You know, on the top bar, there's something you know that you can click and go right to the conference. Uh, they have a section about getting involved, um, and, you know, it, it talks about their, their working group, their speakers bureau, um, their leadership council, um, their their podcast, This is Dementia Life, and Professional Insights. Um, so just lots happening. Um, and, you know, you've got some great articles on here. You've got a calendar of events that people can easily see, you know, what is happening. And um, it's just uh, it's, it's a very welcoming space to go. They also have, you know, papers and webinars that you can go ahead and uh, download here, too. I see. I don't remember seeing that before in such an easy, accessible way. So it looks like you've updated the site a little bit. We have. We redid the whole site, and the resource center, or we call it the discovery center, is still under construction. So that's uh, in the works because we literally just redid the whole site. But also on there, Lori, is the the Get Connected site. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting connected, connecting with others. I think I don't have it in front of me. It's connecting something. Connecting with others, I think it's called. And that's where you can hear all about the discussion groups, the virtual engagement groups. Um, which is exciting. Okay. Yep. Yep. It, it says connect with us, and then yeah, it has the virtual engagements. It's got the schedule of events, the virtual discussions, and um, again, really simple to see. And you know, you've got something going on constantly here, so that's really really neat too. So how long? Not have you on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long have you guys been doing the poetry group? Uh. We started the virtual engagements when COVID hit, so that probably was March, was that March of 20? Uh-huh. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's good. Kathy, do you have any questions um, or comments for Lori? 
I'm on the website too. It is very easy to use. I like looking at who your speakers are. I like that you have you know, like all the, the like the times and what the program is going to look like. I like that it's in Indianapolis because it's close to me. Um, yeah, it just looks like a really great program, and I really I encourage anybody who's listening, please go to something. You know, go to this. Go to something like this. Um, you know, as Lori said. We don't know what we don't know, and so we don't know it. <laughs> it's brought to our attention. Right. So, you know, just empower yourself to get information as best you can and really empower yourself to just meet other people like yourself that can be a support to you. And now, Lori, I, 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 one thing ahead. I really, really love about the DAA conference is every session includes somebody living with dementia. Our voices are to be heard. And so no matter what we are doing at DAA, it must include somebody living with dementia. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it should be, because who knows more about living with dementia than those of us living with dementia. So when you go to any session, you're not only going to hear from the professional aspect, you're going to hear from the the, uh, viewpoint of someone living with dementia as well. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. We have to keep. We have to include these people to give us that feedback. I think that's what we lack in a lot of ways is the perspective. You know, we can only step into this so far, and I think that that's a great thing. Willing the willingness to step into it as much as you can, but to have that resource of a person who is living with it and can give that feedback back—that's the only way we're going to get better at this. Agree. Now, Lori, uh, is it inclusive of the care partner as well, or have you limited it to professionals and um, and, and people diagnosed with a form of dementia? Wait a minute. Say that again. I'm sorry. I missed the beginning part. So you had talked about, you know, everything you do is, um, you know, it raises the voice of a person with dementia, but you also have professional voices that will be heard at the conference. Are there any sessions that also include a care partner? In terms of, yes. of their angle, okay. Um, yeah. So it really, it really is. my nice head, I can't more. tell you which one. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, the voice of the care partners is also extremely important to hear. But I think also very exciting is the camaraderie that care partners come away with, and people living mm-hmm. with dementia come away with, to actually meet other people in person and have a chance to talk. And after sessions, say, well, what did you think about this? And I learned this. Uh, it's just a great na- networking experience. Well, it really opens up people's eyes. I know um, in conferences where I've spoken, I, I've fought for years to have the voice of, of people living with dementia and the care partners be heard as well. And uh, the professionals are shocked at what they learn. You know, And, I mean, I've had people say, <laughs> I've been in this business 20 years. And I have a whole new perspective, and some of the stuff I've been saying really isn't accurate. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so it really does change things. And it evens out the playing field. I mean, there's nothing worse than being talked about and excluded at the same time, you know. And you're going, mm-hmm. no, I've got a whole other perspective here. And I think it's really, really important because we can hear the nitty-gritty of the truth of living with dementia instead of us professionals kind of peeking through the window and guessing what's going on. Um, and, and I really think that's the only way we're going to make sustainable change. 
is to have inclusion of all of those voices. So, Lori, I really thank you so much for coming. Again, uh, Lori Shear with uh, Dementia Action Alliance. You can visit their site at daanow.org, and you won't be disappointed. Sign up for that conference. Go ahead and meet meet some others. There's nothing better than than uh, peer support in, in talking with people that actually get what the heck you're talking about. Um, that's one of the biggest complaints I hear from people is people don't get it, you know, so they kind of walk away from me. Make another family. Make another circle of friends. It's easier to do than you think. So thank you again, Lori. Appreciate it. Absolutely, and thank you. And, Kathy, if you go to the conference, uh, I hope you have just – I know you'll have a great time and meet lots of people. So enjoy. Thank you. I have every plan of being here. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. So, um, Kathy, why don't we talk a little bit again? I'm going to invite people to go ahead and call in. We never know how many callers we're going to get. Sometimes we get a ton of them. Sometimes we just get one or two. Um, and that is fine because Kathy and I can fill the gap. Let me tell you, I could talk <laughs> to this woman for a week straight and we would not run out of conversation um, regarding this topic. So, again, but feel free to break up our flow because um, we love to hear your voices. That number is 323 323- Eight seven zero four six zero two. That's three two three eight seven zero four six zero two. So, Kathy, let's dive into this topic of desperation because, boy, I I feel it not only in dementia and caregiving, but the world as a whole right now. People are just feeling um, stuck and scared and i mean i even had a presentation the other day some people called in after the school shooting and said i'm not comfortable being in a a group and it just like broke my heart but i understood i understood that so i think this is a really important topic so where would you like to start with this um okay (laughs) so i guess I, I, that was such a wonderful conversation that you just had with the AA. I don't want to, like, be the downer. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I guess what I like to know that families, they, they need to go to conferences like that. They need to feel empowered. They need to hear the voices, and they need to create that new community because, uh, you know, like that desperation, you know, people feel it when they're stuck at home. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to act, um, you know, act, meaning how to move forward with somebody that they're caring for. And, when we act from a place of desperation, I think we often make mistakes because that desperation is coming from just emotion and it oftentimes is lacking some forethought or, you know, just weighing costs and benefits and all those types of things. And one of the things I see is there's such a desperation for facilities to continue to bring residents in. Um, there's such a push that they often aren't offered a tour. The family members aren't offered a tour. And this flies in the face of everything I've ever been taught. I've done this for a very long time, and that was one of my favorite things to do was to give tours to family members. And I was always incredibly honest with them. You know, um, when you come in for a tour, I always encourage families, come in twice. You know, come in on a scheduled time, and then you are always welcome to come in and do a stop-by tour without scheduling it. And I always encourage families to do both because the scheduled tour often is during that peak time when you tend to have the optimal amount of staff available. So as you're walking around the facility with a marketer, 
you know, you're going to see the best of the best. And I encourage families that they feel like that facility is something they want to keep on their list, that they should come back and look again, and oftentimes unannounced, and maybe around a mealtime, because that's when you see a lot of the hustle and the bustle going on. And you're going to get a really good feel for how the staff is interacting with those residents, because it's a very busy time. Um, and, you know, just backing up a second, ask for a tour, you know. If you have a list of facilities that you're looking at because you need to, um, you need that assistance in placing your mom or your dad. Memory care, specifically for me, is something we can't do alone. And if you're trying to do it alone at home and it's wearing you down, you have to take care of yourself to be the best person you can for your loved one. And so oftentimes it is bringing another facility or something into the home. But if you're not being offered a tour, I would, be, I would be leery about that. But then I would also just advocate for yourself that you do want to come in and see a building. Um, mm-hmm. That you want to talk, you want to ask about staffing ratios and all those different types of things. And, Lori, please cut me off if you get a caller and I don't want to keep talking too much. But <laughs> No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I, I just, families get desperate, so they take the first thing that comes along and when that happens, I think the expectation of what the family has and what a facility can truly provide often collide. And they don't mix. And so it's two days, three days, one week into someone's new stay in their new home. And families are frustrated by what they're seeing and what they're experiencing, and they don't quite know how to resolve that. So I think when we tour a facility and we can ask questions, we're starting to move away from that space of just relying on our emotion to make a decision. And we're starting to just put more information into ourselves to make a good choice. The choice of doing this is like probably one of the hardest things you will ever do. Mm-hmm. So gathering as much information as you can, I think is empowerment and that is key. And I think that there is going to be no perfect facility. There is nothing that's going to provide your loved one with the care that you wish was 100%, 100% of the time. But we can try to get close to that. We can look at what our priorities are, what's important to you, what's important to your loved one, and does that specific facility meet that need? Kathy, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna barge in there for a second because I think that that's a, a really important thing to state. But I also think it's really important for us to look at that we are not giving 100% perfect care at home either. We have our ups, mm-hmm. we have our downs, we have our mood swings, we have our fights. Um, we we get overwhelmed with too much stuff on our plate. And so it's really not fair to hold a community to that standard when stuff does happen. And yes. and I think and I think sometimes that's overlooked. I mean, granted everybody wants good care, but mistakes will happen. Um yeah. and and that is that is part of life. Um again, it's to the degree of the type of mistake. I mean, we definitely don't want any any uh, abuse going on and things like that. But sometimes uh families get really out of whack because for a real minor incident. And mm-hmm. and I can speak from experience where, you know, it just wasn't tolerable. And it wasn't tolerable because I was still in that desperation or that crisis state as a family member. I was not comfortable 
with the decision that was being made, um, maybe even to the move itself. You know, and, and my mom wanted mm-hmm. to move into a nursing home because she wanted to be by my dad who couldn't live independently anymore. But I don't think I had necessarily processed everything. And so it's also, I think, very common when when people move in because there is not that trust built up and, and yeah. communities have to earn that trust. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they they don't always do a good job at that because usually they call when there's an issue. Oh, you didn't sign this paper or, you know, Sally's purse is missing or we missed the med or whatever it might be. None of those big major things. But it mm-hmm. just, it, it it hurts that trust level again. And then you dig in even harder. Um, I know for myself, one of the things I did, and and let me know if you've seen others do this or if I'm just a lone wolf out there, but I I was so adamant that my mom was going to get good care. I looked for every single problem I could find because I was going to (laughs) address it. I was going to solve it so we could get to that level of perfection that I didn't even provide, but I expected them to. And, And so I was like their worst nightmare. And, and, you know, I, I, and, I, and I teach this to people, you know, especially staff of you have to understand where families are coming from because this is a really scary thing. And it's a, it's a huge, humongous step that they've taken to, you know, turn over their loved one to you um, yeah, yeah. on your word when they don't, like you said, they don't really know you. They don't really know the community and COVID's broken down even more so because you can't have those in-persons. You can't always just do an impromptu visit. You know, we've opened up a little bit. You know, how long is that going to last? Hopefully forever. But, you know, we just don't really know. And then as a family member, the staff turnover on top of that makes you nervous. But, um, you know, it really is one of those things where you are looking for problems so you can fix them. And we're really yeah. not looking. We're not looking at what's going right, so we can take yeah. a breath. Um, yeah. And and I don't know. Maybe like I said, maybe I was a lone wolf. What have you seen in that? No. I, I've talked no. to so many I families. See that, I see that constantly. And and mm-hmm. my take on that is, you know, first of all, my heart breaks for somebody who's looking for problems because my thought is that is stemming from a place of guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to try to find everything wrong because I feel so awful that I can't do this by myself, and I feel like I should. There's some mm-hmm. expectation people have that they should be able to do this by themselves, muscle through, it's okay, and if I can't, something's wrong with me. And so that fuels some guilt, and the best way to release that guilt is make something somebody else's fault, mm-hmm. right? Find those problems. Because it just kind of like, it literally like for ourselves as as neurotypical adults or those adult children, we're literally redirecting ourselves because we don't like the emotion we're sitting in. So mm-hmm. we're choosing to find something else. So, oh yeah, I see that all the time. And, and I agree with you. I think that there's, there's a lot of key words you brought in trust, you know, mm-hmm. if, and, and, and you see that when you, when you have consistent staffing, you're, you're seeing a little bit more trust because now you, I know your name, you know, my name, we know what to expect of each other. Um, mm-hmm. expectations, right? Setting those expectations, knowing what, what somebody or a group or a facility can provide. And then, um, so you said trust, you said something else. I'm trying to remember what it was. But I mean, 
that's key, and you're right. I think facilities are so overwhelmed oftentimes they, they don't make phone calls and touch base with families unless there's something wrong, which mm-hmm. then only fuels you to look for that, right, yep. instead of talking about what's right. And I recently wrote, or I did a little video um, for NAP, National Association of Activity Professionals, and I talked about what family members really want to hear about when they come to a care plan meeting. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes care plan meetings are so focused on the clinical. But I think, to me, families really want to hear from the person that's working with them every day, like an activity professional mm-hmm. or some kind of psychosocial aid, because I think what families want to hear is exactly what your last speaker was talking about. Where are those moments of success and joy? Did mm-hmm. you know that your mom can play the piano? Did you know the other day she broke out or she did this wonderful art project or she helped us lead in prayer? Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. as a family says. I never knew she would do that. I had no idea she was interested. Those are the things I think family wants to hear. And I think we need to encourage more of that kind of dialogue in a facility. And, mm-hmm. yes, there is no such thing as perfect at home or anywhere else because we're humans taking care of humans. Yep. Yep. It is, it is, so, it is so true, and yet it is so it's so hard. And again, when you are in crisis in that desperation state, the best decisions can't be made because you're just not grounded. You're not, you're not looking at everything. You're not being able, you know, you're not giving yourself time to process and, and ask questions. A lot of time it's it's a panic, like you said, emotional decision. And, you know, when you're ready to place somebody, it's, you're right. It's because you can't do it anymore. And right. and there is a lot of guilt with that, and yet you can't, you know, you can't be a good partner. I don't care if it's spouse, a friend, son, a daughter, an aunt, an uncle. You know, you can't give good care to them at any level if you're not taking care of yourself. And usually at that point, it's evident you're not taking care of yourself and you don't know how to get into that rebalance mode. You know, things that are just so disruptive and and, and difficult. And, right. um, you know, there's so many things out there that can, you know, change the trajectory for both the person diagnosed and the care partner. And, you know, like DAA um, can help change that trajectory. You know, when people, and we've, we've heard this over and over and over again, when people with dementia feel purposeful, it kind of pushes back the symptoms. I, I know for my mom, I saw that. And again, we still don't have good research on that. And I don't think it's talked nearly enough. But the impact of being socially engaged is is so powerful. And I see Lori still on the line. So I'm just going to pull her in for her thoughts on that. Um, Lori, are you still with us? I'm, it looks like we're still on. Here we go. This is a powerful conversation, um, but one that is also very near and dear to my heart because I think so often in care communities, whatever they may be, whether it's a residential facility, a nursing home, whatever, they they don't always listen to the person living with dementia. They don't listen to the person that needs to have the voice. And sometimes that person can't voice themselves but then they need an advocate that can. And we want to use the example, my mother-in-law uh, was 
in a care facility and ended up being in um, the nursing facility. And we watched her go downhill extremely fast. Well, during that time, I was starting with my dementia getting stronger and was diagnosed actually while she was in that, that care facility. Um, and I would walk in there and the bells ringing to call the nurses drove me nuts. We'd have to leave because I could not handle the bells. Mm-hmm. Um, people screaming was pulling me down. Um, and they would put her in a wheelchair and set her in a corner. And they did with the, this with, with all of the, the people there. Um, they had no purpose. And I said to the head nurse, I insisted on a, on a consult, and I said, she's crying because she has no purpose. You make her get out of bed every day, but why? What is her purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, they started having her just set all the tables. Mm-hmm. She would go around and put the, the napkins, the plastic forks and all at each table. She looked forward to mealtimes so she had something to do. Um, then I said to them, can't you do something about those bells? Well, that's how we call the nurses. I understand that, but can't you do something about that? That constant ringing, first off, it tells me the nurses aren't responding quick enough, and it's probably because they're understaffed and I get that. But the constant bells went through my head. So I couldn't imagine what it would be like to live there 24-7 hearing Mm -hmm. that. So what I tell people is if you are going, if you have someone who is in whatever type of care provision, my recommendation is if that person can no longer speak for themselves, take someone living with dementia who still can speak and let them walk through, let them spend time in there and see what things really irritate them. Because mm-hmm. they will pick up on things such as noise that you don't. Yeah. There's so um, many sensory things that people miss because it doesn't bother us. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, and I'll, I'll use, um, you know, myself, I'm going to be 63 here in another week. And, I mean, background noise, just as we age, a lot of those things change. Background noise drives me crazy. Echoing drives me nuts. And I remember my folks talking about that, but as a younger person, what are you talking about? You know, it it didn't bother me at all. And so, you know, especially with dementia, and, again, I know it hits at, at all different levels, but you add you add typical aging changes in there on top of the dementia, um, lighting, sound, you know, just environmental things, um, smells, all all different types of things can trigger um, irritation. And and it is important, and I don't think it's something that's evaluated near enough in terms of those trigger points, because those trigger points, um, you know, elicit a response, and, you know, they're, they're all tied into an emotional base. And I hate yep. that we that we talk about well people are having a behavior, and it's like no they're having a reaction. That's you know? right. <laughs> it's, it's very different. It's very very different. Yep. yep. And, Lori, and I have to, to be times, 
the few times I go to a mall, which mm-hmm. is very rare, the few times I go, I need earplugs, headphones, and sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Because there is such a sensory overload, I, it can cause a very quick meltdown. You've got lights flashing, you've got change falling on the ground, you've got, oh, high heels on tile because they're always tiled. Um, just so many, so much sensory overload. And yet you look at many of the places that we put people living with dementia or elderly people, and that's what we give them. Now, so the person wears hearing aids because they have a hearing problem. Okay, but those hearing aids pick up lots of sounds that we don't want to hear, (laughs) but they may not be able to adjust them. So, yeah, we need to be more aware of the total surrounding, and I think that's where making sure that we're listening to the voice of the person living there with dementia or bring somebody else in that has dementia and say, what does this environment do to you is so important. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what great advice. I mean, for, for people who are even architects, you know, you're building a building and, you know, they, they end up doing that cookie cutter thing, you know, well, we've done it here. And so they just rebuild it, bring in some people with dementia have them, you know, experience the environment and really listen to what the needs are. So next time you do that cookie cutter, you know, footprint, maybe there'll be some some really needed changes that I think are probably going to really surprise some people. Yeah. In terms of of what they're going to hear, I think uh, I think that that is absolutely absolutely a critical critical piece. And again, it has been. Um, you know, for so long, it has just been accepted that the professionals know what the heck's going on, and <laughs> and the re- and I'm sorry, and the rest of us are peons, and that's yep. one of the things that that pushed me into this space was we are not peons; we have valid points and insights that need to be heard, and yeah. um, and and that is changing. It's not changing near as fast as I'd like it to. But, folks, it is changing, and more and more people are willing to hear you, so speak up. And even if they're not willing to hear you, don't stop. It still needs right. to be heard. It's, it, you know, yeah. um, and there there will be plenty of people to validate you. In fact, you know, if you don't want to conf- confront an issue, you know, call into the show and talk about it. You don't even have to name who it is, but we have to identify the issues. We can't fix things that are broken if we don't speak up and identify what's not working, you know, because we're, we're, we're not into slamming, you know, um, organizations and, and individuals, you know, here in Alzheimer's Speaks, we're about improving things and lifting things. But in order to do that, again, we have to identify what needs to be changed and, and the why behind it. I think so often people don't say why why this yeah. is important. And to me, that's the, that's, you know, that's the, the magic fairy dust is the why, um, because yeah. that will typically touch people's hearts, not just their minds and go, Oh, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, can, uh, I never saw that before, <laughs> you know, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for pointing that out um, and not right. being defensive, not, um, because that's not why someone's telling you is not to beat you up. It's to help you improve. And I know sometimes, mm-hmm. 
you know, as family members, we don't always come off like we're there to help you improve um, because we might just be at a frustration level because we haven't been heard by so many of your other staff um, that it's difficult, you know, for us. I just saw someone else pop in, and believe it or not, we only have five minutes left, so let me get to this other caller. Oops, and they just, wait, here we go. Um, So I have somebody from a 660 number. Um, can you state your name and who Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And who are you? I have you? a question. I would like to know who you are. My first, name's please. Joe. Okay, Joe. Okay. Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, any remedies for people who may be approaching um, the initial phase of Alzheimer's? In other words, do you have any kind of remedies that would stave it off? You know, Kathy, I'm going to let you go first on that one again. We've got about four four minutes on okay. that. I, okay. My advice is make sure that that's the diagnosis you're actually working with first. Make sure, for sure, for sure, that that is what your neurologist has determined that that person is living with because anything that you're going to put in place needs to match with the diagnosis that's accurate. So if someone is saying just dementia, find out what kind. And, and pursue that because there are medications you can have that help kind of keep somebody in the stage of dementia that they're in. It helps slow the progression, if you will. But if that is used on somebody that has a different type of dementia, it can actually make them feel and express themselves in a manner that's going to be very frustrating for both of you. It's just not mm-hmm. going to work. So that's yeah. my biggest um, advice. Okay. Yeah, make sure that right. diagnosis is absolute. Lori, anything uh, you want I should to have add? Rephrased, oh, okay. I should Go have ahead, rephrased Joe. my question. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is, I have an extremely bad memory. I'm a senior citizen. My memory is, as I said, probably ADHD. I haven't mm-hmm. been diagnosed with anything yet, but I do know from taking simple tests that I've created that uh, my memory sucks. So mm-hmm. I may or may not be in, in, the, in the initial phase of dementia or Alzheimer's, but your show is about Alzheimer's, so mm-hmm. I wanted to find out if you had any kind of um, any kind of remedies for somebody like myself who has not been diagnosed, mm-hmm. but um, eh, memory is, is worse than just the normal forgetfulness. Yep, I I would recommend that you do go into the doctor and and ask for a diagnosis, um, and they typically will do you know a simple test on you. Um, a lot of times it's just a 10-question test, but they will ask you, you know, what are the changes in the symptoms that you're seeing? Because sometimes, Joe, it can be dehydration. It can be a mixture of medications you're on. It can be that you have sleep apnea and you're, you're not sleeping well. Those are all things that can be corrected. It could be um, you're missing some some minerals or vitamins um, in yourself. There's Dr. Brunison who really does a deep dive into lifestyle and he does a lot of other testing, but there is no magic mm-hmm. pill out there. And then again, you know, talking with, with like DAA and other people, there are people out there, you know, who are going through the same thing you've gone through before they got diagnosed. And I'm sorry to say that we have to wrap up. I really appreciate you calling. Um, feel okay. free to, to reach out to us um, at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com or visit uh, daanow.org. 
and, um, you know, have some of those conversations. I, I think it's just critical, but I appreciate your call and know you are not the only one going through what you're going through right now. And it's scary, but there are a okay, lot of people fine. out there to help you. Thank you. So to our audience, okay. I just want to bye-bye. say bye-bye. Um, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for um, partaking in our conversation today. These hours always blow by so so quickly. We've got a lot of great shows coming up. Um, I'm going to be talking with Haley Richman, who has the Kid Caregivers and Puzzles to Remember, uh, Chris Zayad with Affinity Senior Care. I'm going to be talking with Magdalene uh, Turek from uh, Poland, who's a, a uh, uh, psychologist and author and owns care homes. Um, Stephen um, Post is going to be on. Uh, along with uh, Reverend Jade uh, Angelica, and they're going to be talking about their new book, uh, Dignity for Deeply Forgetful People. So many things, and know that all of our shows are archived, and you are always, always welcome to be part. So if you've got a story to tell, please reach out. Again, I want to thank my co-host, Kathy Braxton and Lori Scher with uh, Dementia Action Alliance for uh, joining us today. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.